Well, many of you know that we've been in this series uh, on Acts, on the book of Acts, for most of the summer. And today is a day when we're going to conclude that summer series. We're going to try and understand, as uh, Dr. Cottrell read for us earlier, Acts chapter 17, and we're going to understand a little bit. But it's been good for us to look at this new community of believers, this group of fledgling followers of Jesus as they started this uh, journey to expand the kingdom and they saw the expansion, they were persecuted and they stayed faithful to what God had called them to do and it's been really good for us to take a look at their story and how it interacts with our story, how it encourages us. And this morning we're going to look at these people in the town of Berea and what they teach us about being people of noble character. Luke, the author of Acts, describes the people in Berea that they were of such noble character, more noble character than those in Thessalonica or other people, that they have this kind of concept or this character quality that's deep-rooted inside them that was noble. And it enabled them to live faith, live a life of faith as strong and robust and life-giving and lasting for, as an example for us even today. The Bereans modeled for us the type of desire to have their thoughts and their actions and their lives not just kind of shaped by what they want to be true, not be shaped by what other people are saying, but always done and kind of rooted in the truth of God's Word. They wanted to know what was actually true, and Luke, again, describes them as being people with noble character. And I think we can learn a few things from them about how we can be people of noble character and how we can have our roots roots kind of as it were go down deep and kind of rich nutrients from the word of god how it can be uh, a blessing to have that as a character in our own life it reminds me of what the psalms uh, the psalmist says in psalm chapter one when he says this blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the lord who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff, and the wind blows, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This morning, I want to consider for a few moments this morning what we might learn from these Berean believers, that they were committed to a kind of life that was rooted and getting its nutrients from God and what it might look like for us to live a life that is not only rooted in Christ and what he's done, but of noble character as, as we look into the scriptures and we understand who they were and what it may interact with us. So as we get started this morning, let's pray together and then we'll open it up. Jesus, we are humbled and in awe of you, humbled that you would gather us, that you would call us, that while we have been rebellious against you and we have put you at arm's length, that you have drawn near and you have made a way to life with you. Pray that as we study your scriptures, that they would come alive to us and teach and instruct us in ways that only you can. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, when we started this series uh, some months ago, actually, we started this series with a look at uh, the Acts chapter 2 description of the church. 
that this new community of believers were known by these devotions, that they kind of defined them, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, that that was a unique kind of devotion, that they devoted themselves to. That particular kind of devotion was a kind of, uh, kind of shaping aspect of their culture. It's what they were known by. They, when we said that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching because they lived in a culture, much like we do, that is surrounded by toxic thinking. Surrounded by humanistic thinking that just kind of deals with what we see on the temporal life, not understanding what God's world, what God's kingdom is really about. And because they were surrounded by such humanistic, toxic thinking, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, understanding the kingdom of God and how their life matches up with that. And they understood that this kind of being surrounded by that kind of uh, ungodly or toxic thinking would be damaging to their souls. And one of the things I wanted to drive home in that very first message about Acts was that we needed, as a group of people, we needed the truth of God to be louder in our lives than the lies and the temptations of our culture. That we need the truth of God both individually and in families and in collectively as a community, we need the truth of God to be louder in our lives than the lies, the lies and the temptations of our world. That's how we started this series. And we began to look at these people. And tonight, or this afternoon, when we close this series, when we come to the end, I want us to consider the Bereans and their noble character and how we might be able to be that kind of people. That we might be able to grow in our uh, character and our nobility. And how we might be able to find ourselves more formed and shaped by the truths of God and that the truth of God would indeed be louder in our life than the surrounding culture. And as we look at the Bereans, we see some qualities in their character that are worth emulating for us. They're worth us taking a look at and noticing a little bit. And the first quality of the noble character that we see in the Bereans is that they listened intently. They listened with eagerness to understand. They listened to understand. Listen again to Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Luke says, The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. You see, rather than writing Paul off as some kind of you know, mystic or some other guy, rather than writing them off, the Bereans sought to really understand what he was saying. And what is missing in our culture, and what I fear is missing sometimes in our lives, is the ability to really listen, to understand someone. We live in a culture and a world that's filled with sound bites and news feeds and memes on the internet and Facebook posts that are just really short and tweets. And we live in that kind of soundbite world. And we've become a culture where we just talk right past each other. We don't have a way of listening to seek to understand, to hear someone else. The phrase that Luke says that they received the message with great eagerness. It doesn't mean that they were just, you know, hasty and quick to accept it and just kind of like flown one way to another. Oh, okay, all right. It wasn't that at all. They, they engaged in dialogue. They said that Paul went to the Jewish synagogue there and dialogued with them. Conversations were going on. And they engaged with a healthy, holy curiosity to find out what was going on. They wanted to understand. And one aspect of noble character that the Bereans demonstrated was their willingness to listen, 
to really understand, not to pigeonhole or not to just kind of write them off or to kind of label somebody as certain things, but they really sought to listen, to hear, and understand. And, and again, if you look at our culture, we make characters, caricatures of other people. We quickly label them, we pigeonhole them in a, in a certain way, and we don't listen very well as a culture in general. We just don't. We, we throw verbal grenades at one another and talk bad about each other, talk past one another, and very rarely do you find people sitting down for honest dialogue without getting angry, without getting bitter, without taking my ball and going home. And doing that. we rarely see someone sit down for honest dialogue to really understand someone, really understand. Richard Mao was the president of Fuller Seminary when I was going to seminary and in describing this need in our culture to see people, in particular Christians, demonstrating this noble character, this nobility of character where we learn to engage with civil discussions where we can understand rather than lobbing verbal grenades at one another, trying to understand one another rather than writing people off. He used this phrase that has stuck with me ever since. He used the phrase that we need to be people of convicted civility. Convicted civility. He would say that one of the biggest problems in our world today is that people often have really strong convictions. But when they have really strong convictions, they're really not very civil with people. And some people that are really civil often really don't have any strong convictions. But what we need and what the church needs to be is people with convicted civility able to engage in honest, authentic dialogue to understand, not to pigeonhole or label, but to understand. A willingness to listen to one another is what the Bereans demonstrate to us. I hope we would become more like that. I hope that you and I and our community would become more noble in that aspect, that we would engage in honest dialogue, and that the labeling and the pigeonholing of other people would cease to happen within our community. I wonder if some of us need to grow in that area. I wonder if some of us need to grow in our willingness to sit down for an honest, without being angry or bitter or anything else, without labeling or pigeonholing anybody, but to sit down and have honest, authentic, understanding conversation. To have a holy curiosity of another person. Convicted civility. Convicted civility. The second thing you see in the Bereans' noble character is that they examine the Scriptures. The Word says that they examine the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul was teaching was true. Again, they didn't just simply listen to what Paul was saying, and it was different. It was new for them. And they didn't just go, okay, no problem. I mean, Paul was a master teacher for sure, but they didn't just blindly accept it. People with noble character are people who engage their critical thinking skills. They don't just blindly accept things. You see, the Bible is way more than just a collection of writings or just pithy sayings or something you can post up on Pinterest or make a little wooden sign and hang it up in in your bathroom. The Bible is the authoritative word of God, and it reveals to us the nature and the character of God, and it invites us to accept it and receive it into our life to become a different kind of person. The Bereans examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying lined up with what the Scriptures teach. It wasn't just about blind acceptance because this is what we've always done or this is my new favorite teacher. I'm going to listen to them and whatever they say, this is what we're going to do. The Bereans engaged in critical thinking. Their authority didn't come because Paul said it. 
Their authority didn't come because that's what my tradition tells me. Their authority came from the Word of God, and they daily examined the Scriptures to make sure that what they were learning and teaching matched up with what the Scriptures taught about. So here's what we see. People of noble character, whom I would encourage us to become more like, are people who engage in critical thinking, not blind following, not blind following some famous teacher or some author or your favorite whatever or, or even tradition that happens, but critical thinkers that seek to understand and their authority comes back beyond anything else to the Word of God. A long time ago when I was younger, one of my pastors shared this parable with us and it's stuck with me ever since and I've found it to be helpful at times. And story, the parable goes like this. There was a family and they, they wanted to make a ham dinner for Christmas dinner and so the mom went, came in and she cut half the ham and put it into the fridge to save for later and she cooked up the rest of the ham and they had this wonderful great Christmas dinner. And the next Christmas came along and the mom brought out the ham and cut off the one ham and put the half in the one fridge and uh, cooked up the rest of it and kept on going. And the kids kind of asked, Mom, why do we cut half of the ham off and put half in the fridge and cook the rest of it for the Christmas dinner? And she said, well, oh, don't worry, honey. We're not going to waste any of it. That'll be safe for soup later and for sandwiches and leftovers later. We'll, we'll use every bit of the ham. Don't worry. And that kind of solved their kind of satisfied their curiosity a little bit. And so they just kind of went with it. And that was just kind of what happened. Well, one of these kids grew up and she had her own family. And when she came for Christmas dinner, she bought a ham, cut half of it off, put it into the fridge and cooked up the rest of the ham. And her kids asked her the same question. Mom, why do we cut this ham in half and put one in the fridge and cook up the rest of it for, for a Christmas dinner? And she said, oh, don't worry, honey. We're going to, we'll, we'll use it for soup and for sandwiches and stuff later. And she said, well, well, yeah, Mom, but why do we cut half of it off and put it in there? Why don't we cook the rest of it? And she goes, well, don't worry, sweetheart. We're going to save, we're going to use it all. We're not wasting any of the ham. Don't worry about it. We'll use it. And it didn't really satisfy their curiosity, and so they kept on it. They said, but Mom, why do we do that? And to which finally this mom kind of had to come to her end. She said, well, that's the way Grandma always did it. I don't know. That's just what she did. And it kind of piqued her curiosity, so she got to this next family gathering, and her mom was in the kitchen getting things ready, and this new mom came to her mom and said, Mom, what's going on? Why do we cut the one, half and ha- the one ham in half and put one in the fridge and cook the rest of it for Christmas dinner? And to which the mom replied, Honey, we did that because we didn't have a big enough pan to cook the whole ham. <laughs> it wasn't anything to do with anything. But I fear that sometimes we allow tradition like that to just get into us. And we do without thinking. We do without thinking. We do things the way we do them without critically thinking. We go to certain places to whatever because tradition says we do it without engaging in critical thinking. And one of the things I think that we can admire about the Bereans was that they didn't blindly go by tradition. They didn't blindly go by new teaching. They didn't blindly go by what they wanted. But they engaged in critical thinking. And one of the character qualities of noble people are people that engage in critical thinking and their lives will reflect that one of the other things i'll quickly mention about examining the scriptures that the brands did notice that they examine them together because the task of interpretation is a whole lot easier said than it is done each of us 
Whether we like it or not, we bring our own particular way of seeing the world and seeing the scriptures when we come to it. Whether we realize it or not, we have certain ways of interpretation that we kind of lean towards. We're not neutral, in other words. Our upbringing, our cultural background, our way we've heard the scripture being taught before, all of that we bring into the way we interpret the scriptures. And so it is healthy for us to listen to another brother and sister and to read and to interpret the scriptures together, together. Left on our own is far too often the case that we can make the scriptures mean whatever we want them to mean. And they affirm whatever we want them to affirm. But the people in Berea, they were together in this. They gathered together in the, in the synagogue to listen and dialogue with Paul. They gathered together to read and to study the scriptures together. And there's yet another reason why community is super important for the Christian life. That you gather with brothers and sisters to lead or to read the scriptures and to learn from them, and it will lead us to more noble character. That's why we have life groups that you can be a part of. That's why at the end of September, we're going to have another round of our apprenticeship courses that we can understand and study the scriptures together. Because one of the aspects of noble character is that they listen to each other and they hear from one another. The Bereans demonstrate a nobleness in their character, and I hope that we could learn some things for that. Well, the third last thing I want to point out about the Bereans' noble character is that they demonstrated all of this. They demonstrated all of this with a heart of humility. With a heart of humility. Listen again in Acts chapter 17, verse 12. As a result, as a result of their interaction and their dialogue, as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. See, as a result of Paul's ministry, their dialogue, their, the Bereans' curious or holy curiosity, they're examining the scriptures, they're engaging in critical thinking. Many of them turned their life over to the leadership of the Lord Jesus. They proclaimed him as Messiah, which would necess- necessitate a life change, which would mean that they would have to change their current life. The old way of doing things would have to go away and a new way would have to be picked up. The way of Christ would have to be walked rather than the way of me. It demonstrates a humility to receive the news of Jesus. To not just hear, but to receive it. We pray this on a regular basis around when we gather together and we open up the scriptures because it's one thing to just pray that the scriptures would speak, but we also need to pray that we would lower our defenses to be willing to receive. Be willing to receive. It's one thing to listen to a wonderful sermon. It's one thing to have much of Scripture studied and even have tons of it committed to memory. That's wonderful things. We should do more of it. We should have more of it in there. We should study. Of course, absolutely. Those are all one thing. It is a different thing altogether to humbly lay yourself before the Word of God and to be instructed by it, to receive it, Because when you receive it, that means that you need to take up a new way of living. That the old way is gone and the way of Christ has come. It's humility that demonstrates a a willingness to receive. Because when I receive, I need to change. And my unwillingness to change means I haven't really received. I hope you catch that. My unwillingness to change means I've heard, but I haven't received. And the Bereans who have noble character are people who are humble enough to receive. This is what James is getting at in James chapter 1 when he writes this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The key word here that James is talking about is the aspect of looking. Looking. And he's not talking about glance. It's not talking about just a fleeting glance, you know, let your eyes look at it. Because, you know, it's understandable. If I'm, you ask me what time it is, and I glance at my watch, and I say, okay, what, and then I forget real quickly. Wait, what time was it? Because I just glanced at it, right? But how unheard of it would be for me to stare, for me to, to look intently, closely, and then moments later forget about it and not know what it is. That's what James is saying. How unheard of it that it would be. To be able to stare and, and to look intently at the Word of God, humbly able to receive it and not change, and not be willing to let go of my old, my held beliefs or my old way of doing things, but learn to take up a new way of life that is demonstrated in Jesus. When we, I was reading up and studying up on this passage, I read I was reading all a bunch of commentaries and and different little things. I read up on the story of a pastor that was saying that he would that he would or he had shared this story and talking about this passage that a, that a pastor was doing the service and his wife was in the children's ministry area or one other area of the church and he had finished up the sermon, finished up the service a little bit earlier and went over to her and she asked him, well, is the sermon all done? Is the sermon all done? And he said, oh no, oh no. It's all been said, but it's not yet been gone to be done. It's not even begun to be done. Here's the point. The Bereans engaged in a curious dialogue, wanting to listen, to understand what's going on. They engaged their critical thinking. They, they, they went and studied the scriptures. But most importantly, most importantly, what they took from the scriptures, they were humbly able to receive it, allowing the truth of Jesus to change them. They were no longer the same. They had come to Jesus. They had come to understand him. So as we conclude this series in Acts, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, and for our community would be that we would be the kind of people that engage in authentic, real dialogue, seeking to understand people, understand one another, that we would be critical thinkers, not blindly following along. Don't blindly follow along with what I say or what your favorite author says or what some worship song says or what you hear on the radio or anything, but engage your critical thinking and submit your life, not to the authority of some human teacher, but to the Word of God, to the Scripture. And you interpret it and you lead it and you study it in community. You study it in community. And may we be people who have the courage to humbly receive it. And in this way, I would pray that we would experience the transformation of our character to become more noble and demonstrate to a watching world the nobility of Christ and his kingdom. So what are you going to do with all that? What are you going to take with you this afternoon as we leave? Can I quickly suggest just a couple quick things that you can directly put into practice as it relates to this? First, we need to all recognize the, the massive amounts of information and uh, noise that is clamoring for the attention of our minds. 
You need to realize that from the moment you wake up to the moment you, get, you go to bed, from your smartphone to the radio to the television to whatever that you have, you are, you have, you are bombarded with messages and noise and all clamoring for your attention. And you just need to recognize that you need space. So create some space to hear from God. Create some space in your day or in your life to, to shut down and unplug from the various noises and the various things going on. Create space to listen, to be more shaped by the Word of God than you are the lies and the temptations of the world around us. So create space. Secondly, take one book of the Bible. Don't take the whole thing. Take one and try to read it from start to finish in one, maybe two settings. But take just one book of the Bible. Seek to read it. Figure out what's being said, what's going on there. And then humbly pray, how does this truth kind of confront or challenge me? How am I challenged? What would my life look like if this truth was taking up residence in my life as you read through it? And just allow me one quick plug here because again at the end of september we have two fantastic apprenticeship courses that are going to be starting one on first peter where we can do this very thing where we can dive into the word of god together in community to find out what's going on how's it being said and what does that mean for us and the other on worship and sacred pathways of how we can connect with god and i would just invite us to be a part of something like that so that our life would be more noble in character and that we would be people influenced by the authority of Scripture and not by the lies and the temptations and the humanistic philosophies that are around our world today. May you and I exhibit Christ-like, noble character wherever God would send you. Let's pray together. Jesus, again, we are humbled and in honor or in awe of you and your grace in our life. Lord, I pray for courage to hear from you and to receive from you today. I thank you for the grace that is in uh, your son that we might live and have our, and breathe and have our being. May you be louder in us than anything else. It's in your name we pray. Amen.